Today is June 5th, and we are joined by the fellas from Pinstripe Strong to talk some Yanks, talk some Bronx, talk some culture, talk some issues, but mostly talk some Yanks. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Talking Yanks. Thank you so much for joining us on this fine Friday morning. My name's Jimmy. Jake is with me. He's wearing his I Love Baseball hat. He's coming to us from Upper East Side. I'm in Harlem, and we are joined by Joe's McFly, Chris McFly, and Keith McPherson. The mix. (laughs) 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 What up? So many guys. Joe, you're in the Bronx. Chris, are you in the Bronx? Harlem. Harlem? Okay, I'm in Harlem as well. Keith, New Jersey. Jersey. All right. Cool. How's everyone doing? Keith, how are you doing? Awesome. Got a good run in. Weather was good today. Feeling good. Pumped to be on my favorite Yankee podcast besides Pinstripe Strong and R2C. Mm. Nice. If anyone isn't aware, Pinstripe Strong is a podcast on John Boy Media Network. They are seriously serious about not ever being serious. Having a lot of fun. Joe's, how are you doing, man? I'm I'm doing I'm doing good, you know, considering. Right, but it's uh, it's funny. It's like, well, now I was hanging out with my son earlier today, and he was just like a ball on fire. Like I just have him on this little cart and whatnot, and he's just running circles in the backyard like as fast as he can, and just sweating. Like, is that fast enough? I'm like, I gotta go a little faster. <laughs> so it's really funny. So it's um, I'm enjoying that time, you know, time with the kids and uh, with the fam and stuff like that. And uh, that's kind of what you gotta do. Chris, how are you? Just like Joe said, considering, uh, you know, what's going on in the world, um, I'm okay. Uh, pretty cool. I'm actually honored to be here, uh, to be part of the John, uh, Talking, uh, you know, Yanks uh, podcast here with everybody here. So pretty good. I feel good. Feeling good. Can we, can we go back? I don't even know how you guys, like, I know the friendship is, is deep and long. I've seen the pictures of you guys when you're younger and stuff. But what's the, what's the McFly story? What's the Joe's and Chris friendship beginnings? No, you go first. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I know Chris since freshman year in high school. The McFly thing really came up. It came up because of Ram, my boy Rams. Uh, so, like, uh, Rams McFly. <laughs> <laughs> Big favorite person. Uh, <laughs> so he actually came up, you know, we used to play in our PlayStation 3. We had a, a clan. And it'll be... He'll, you know, we'll play like Call of Duty or Destiny and different different games and whatnot. And then he'll he just put his as Rams McFly. Um, and then mine's before was like a, a horrible name. He's like, Yo, Joe, just scrap that shit. Like it was like <laughs> it was a really bad name. Like I I don't think that I don't <laughs> I don't, I don't think, think you should say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, after pot, after pot, after pot. McLove and Joe. Mm. Uh, listen. Anyway, so <laughs> we, we ended up going from there. Uh, he said he, his was Rams McFly, and then he was like, yo, Joe, just 
And I said, all right, Joe's McFly. And then Chris was like, all right, cool. And then all of our friends just kind of all just went down the line and we'll just hop in the chat and it'll be like, oh shit, what the hell? So that's basically how it started. Something stupid, it's not like a crazy, but we, we're just like big uh, Back to the Future fans. And Facts. 21 That's basically where, where it comes from. Uh, please don't sue me. <laughs> <laughs> but we used to talk about baseball like all the time. You know what I mean? We were... Uh, we remember the, you know, 2004, uh, <laughs> you know, AOCS, you know, we were there and uh, there was a, a big group of Dominican dudes that were big Red Sox fans, you know, uh, David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez and Pedro Martinez. So you could imagine. So after we won 3-0, and you know, obviously we all know what happens after that. So we... I wanted you know, to bury my head. I, I didn't want to go to school. I, I didn't want to go to school at all um, <laughs> because, they, you know, they would throw it in our faces and everything like that. But we... I mean, talking talking baseball. This is not this is not new to us. You know, we've been doing this for a while now. But now yeah, Chris called me that morning. He's like, "Are you going to school today?" I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, you want to meet up in the want to meet up in the good two day train? to skip." Like, I did yeah, not want to go to school, man. Let's meet up in the two train. I'll be. Yeah. There. <laughs> Were you guys playing then? Joe was playing. I was playing. Chris wasn't. Chris was playing handball. That's just basically he freaking cut class just to go play handball. He's like, "Yo, what the hell?" I was like. All day, yeah, day. man. It's like, yo, you want to, you know, we got a handball team in school. He's like, nah, man. I'm you guys good. had a handball team? Yeah, we had a handball team. Yeah, we Sounds had a handball fun, team, man. Handball oh, was, was crazy. Shit, yeah, handball. You know, don't don't do this, don't do this, kids. But I literally used to go inside the school and leave out the back, like <laughs> no cares, uh, and just <laughs> and just chill out all day downtown and uh, play some handball for sure. But I used to watch, I used to watch Joe and Ram and them play. Uh, on uh, you know, for the school, they were they were on the high school team. It's awesome. And then Keith is Keith. Keith, have you thought about changing your name to McFly now that you're part of the crew? I did. As soon as I came on, I was like, okay, McPherson will spell the McFly with a P H M C P H L Y McFly. <laughs> Perfect. Fire. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Chris, stuff. have you have you always been in Harlem, or did you grow up in the Bronx as well? I grew up on Loba, man. I, I was I actually was born in the Presbyterian Hospital in 168. Um, okay. I, I used to move around a lot. Um, lived in Boston for a bit. Uh, came back. Lived in Harlem, DR. Came, but I I always represent the Bronx because that, that's where I lived the longest. Um, you know, being raised and all of that. But now I'm, I'm in Harlem now. Down the block from Yankee Stadium. Facts, man. Uh, yeah, 167 in Jerome. I used to live right there. Did you guys see Yankee Stadium today? All the cops and shit. No, I don't know. I, I, Why I'm, cops I'm listening to quarantine rules. So. I, no, I just meant like I didn't the, the picture. Yeah, Lindsay Adler tweeted it. There is, uh, I think they were expecting something to happen. So, like in front of Yankee Stadium, was looked like the amount of cops for a Yankee game all just like hanging out, but there was no one there. I don't know if anything ever went off or anything, but I knew there was something going on on 149th and 3rd Ave. I knew there was something going on there, but I don't know about Yankee Stadium. Huh. That's crazy, though. Was there, was there, was there anything like Joe's you, you, you headed over to Fordham and did a little cleanup, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like that was, you know, cause I seen it and you know, we'll probably get more into it, but I went over to Fordham because of everything that I seen. What was it? Two nights ago, two nights ago. And I was just like, Oh, what the hell? What's going on here? Like, yo, this is, this is the hood, bro. This is like where we grew up at. You know, it's like, I, I remember I went to school right around the block in Fordham. I went to Monroe College. 
I went to, oh yeah, I see it. I went to, you know, I used to go to Fordham all the time, ride my bike over there, all of the stores. It's all like a lot of mom and pop shops. So I was just like, why, why, what's going on here? Why is this happening here? You know what I mean? And um, I was a little, I was a little upset because of how that was there at that point in time. But I went over there because I said, you know what? I'm part of the community, so I'm going to just clean up. You know what I mean? I just or help clean up. There was a lot of people there, though. There's like a lot of... Uh, a lot of different people just helping to clean up and stuff like that and um and kind of fix up everything but you know i went around i was asking different shops uh you know if they needed help sweeping but you know uh, other people went out there really early and they also helped out they cleaned so it's like uh i wanted to make sure i went out there you know just try to do something you know i was out there with a freaking broom uh trying to see if there's anything i could do right because uh it's that's this is where I live, bro. It's just what, you know, I'm from the Bronx. Um, always lived here by the Bronx. And I I know that I'm not I'm not going to mentally confuse the protesting from the looting, right? And everything, you know, the rioting and everything like that. Cause I don't know if everything is really linked and related the same. Uh, but I just said, I just took it upon myself to just say, yo, you know what? I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna go ahead and do it, clean up our community, and just that's just what I'm gonna do. Um, that's awesome. That's right. Yeah, it's good for you. Smart. I, Katie, Katie has been dying to, to find places and businesses that we can try and promote. And I said, let, let me dig in. Let me talk to Joe's. Let's find some stuff. So I want to put together a list uh, because Dick, you know, our office is in the Bronx now. I can't yep. go there because we're not allowed hopefully soon, but you know, I want to be as part of that community as we can. And mm-hmm. we kind of saw and like Keith introduced us to the dude for, that, that owns Billy's and stuff. And he was telling us that, especially around Yankee Stadium, like all the stores, they've been there forever. And they're all like, it's a community, friends, helping each other. It was like, you know, like it's uh, longstanding businesses there. And I, I, I thought it was so cool that like, I was like, I want to be part of that. You know, I mm-hmm. want to see mm-hmm. what that culture is and, and how they all help each other and stuff. But it's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I, I, you know what it is? And if you look at, when was it? Yesterday night. I think, or the day before. I feel like all these days are lumping together, so I'm sorry about that. Um, in Dykeman, I know a lot of people got together to try to help prevent anything happening to their community, right? And they said, you know, like, uh, they said, you know what, they're just going to go around and make sure that things, you know, the mom and pop shops are taken care of and whatnot. Um, because it's different, you know, it's like, I seen in the news, this guy, they robbed a bodega, you know what I mean? All right. Target's one thing, right? Because it's corporation, huge, everything's insured and all of that stuff. Right. But when you see a guy that spent his life savings to freaking just invest into this bodega, right. And they go in there and, you know, they ravage everything. And at the end of the video, you can hear the guy's tears and all of that stuff that like, that shit's heartbreaking, bro. Like, it's like, like. You know that's not that's not what it's about you know what i mean it's like at all, <clears throat> at all. and you know that sucks um you know he says i don't have any money man all i got is debt that's all he kept saying in the video um but you know it's it's um uh you know that that kind of stuff's upsetting but like i said the climate and it it it's understandable you know and i i look at the other side of the coin as well 
you know, and Keith also. And we, we were thinking about our podcast, right? This week, coming up into it. And we didn't even talk about it, but we kind of just... <laughs> It, the the good thing about our podcast is that we gotta get each other right, and I just felt this week it didn't feel right us having a podcast. Kind of we we're like uh, Sunday, it just didn't feel right. I don't know. Like Saturday going into Sunday, it didn't feel right. We usually record on Sunday, and then Monday we were like uh, I don't know, and then Tuesday we said that we were gonna do Blackout Tuesday, and it just felt like it wasn't going to feel right because. Um, we we did feel that you know our podcast we pride ourselves on you know basically seriously ourselves too serious right and having fun and laughing and all of that stuff and it just didn't feel like a freaking laughing matter right it, it, so it's like you know we'll we'll take we'll take a week off you know this week and uh, I'm so glad when Jake kind of reached out and he's like yo you guys want to come on you know we have a joint joint podcast I was like I love it because you know we did this before too back in this. This is my first time on this is my first time on this podcast and I, you know, I always have fun with you guys. Uh but you know it's good for everybody to see John Boy Media is you know we're together, right? And Lighted. You know, more more than more than one and you know our podcast where you know we got pinstripe strong and the strong symbol is you know my skin complexion which is darker, right? So I feel like we go on there just all laughy and all of this stuff and laughing, joking, and uh, we'd be out there looking like fools. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that we came on here and you guys brought us on here. We just, you know, got to kind of talk about that and maybe, you know, some baseball and hopefully one day get to get back to baseball. Not get back to normal, like Keith says, but get back to baseball. Baseball would be pretty good. Baseball would be fun. Would be. I think for Jake and I, you know, and, and we've been – trying to like, you know, we've been preaching, listening, reflecting on our, our past and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And how we grew up, how we, how we grew up, like, especially where Connecticut is, it's all white, man. It's like nine. What I think our high school was 99% white. Mm -hmm. So, and Keith, you're down in New Jersey. Um, so I don't know the, the demographics and all that, but I'm curious about 90% white at Ocean Town yeah. High School. <laughs> yeah, so you see the other side of of, of Jake, and, and I'm sure that's not fun at times. But Joe's, you you're in the Bronx. I mean, it's like 55% Dominican or Hispanic, or and it's mm -hmm. I think it's even like 70% uh, people of color. What's the relationship? Like, I'm just very curious about how you view cops in a city in a neighborhood like that. How cops view you and you know, if you're a white cop, they're actually the minority in, in that area. You know, it, it's crazy because I, I, you know, growing up, I didn't really have a, there's no relationship between public and police, you know, at least not where I'm at, right? Like, we don't see, like, uh, we don't know the neighborhood watch. We don't know who, you know, who's running or whatever it is, like, if I know a, if I know a police officer is because I actually know them, right? Through um, other ways, like relative or other friends, ways, family, relatives, yeah. friends, or friends of friends, mm -hmm. or family. You know, whatever it is, I don't. You don't really know. You just know people that don't really look like you or policing you, right? And it's just, and maybe that that's part of you know the thing. Maybe that may need to change a little bit. Maybe people from their own communities need to come in and poli help police, right? Uh, but. It's, it was, um, 
little, it, it, it was always a little scary. You never felt like you know, police come. It's like, even till now, bro, like I drive, the cops don't even got to turn their lights on, bro. And I just think, I'm thinking, I'm nervous. Like, I'm, I'm nervous driving. Like, I don't, I, I don't always, you know, it was one time, I'll give you one, one experience. I'm, I can't. <laughs> what up, Noah? <laughs> we got it! <laughs> Tell me, gotta be faster. Gotta be faster now. Um, <laughs> so we got a. Um, so basically, for me, it was more like, you know, just kind of stay clear of them. Kind of like if they if they're talking to you, it's like you're, like you're in trouble. It's like a like a hood thing. Like you just you you stay away from police. It's like you don't want to be anywhere around them because you know bad things could probably happen to you or. Not only that, but people start associating you a certain way that you don't really like, right? But it's um, like I was saying, like even now, and I'm 33, and I'm driving, and a cop pulls me over or like I'm nervous as hell. I'm really nervous. Like I had my kids in the car one time, and you know, like it was you know everybody was in the car, and it was me, and Michelle, and the two kids in the car, and everything like that, and they were still in their car seats and everything, and the cops pulled pulled us over one time and I could just like, you know, you know, when you could tell like just a hostile energy and it just felt like, like they just came to the, like to the window and I have friends and family that are cops and I do the same thing all the time. You know, I turn off, I got to turn off the entire car, put the freaking uh, um, uh, the key on top of the dashboard. So they see it. I cross my arms on top of the steering wheel. Like, I I've never had to do that it. once. I've probably been pulled over 20 times. I've never had to do any put, of that. You should, put, but you don't have to. Like, I would, yeah. that's, that's, yeah. I would advise you to do that. Yeah. I put my <laughs> license, registration, and insurance on the dashboard. I have my phone on top of the dashboard, so I don't have to reach for anything. And I just have everything up there, right? And I turn all the lights on in the car. And they come in, like, that's how I have to approach every single traffic stop. Just because I don't even want them. I used to have tents on my window. And I had to take them off, bro, because I used to get harassed by police all the time. So now, you know, they came, they come up. It's like a, like a whole squadron. I was like, what the hell is going on? They all come up and, you know, they come up to the car. They're like, yo, what's going on, man? And I'm like, yo, I'm literally just trying to go home. And they kind of flash the lights on my kid's face. And they're like, all right, man, that's it. That's it. They turn off all the lights and then they left. So but that's maybe they felt that way because my kids were there. But like, I, I don't know. But that's kind of like how it is. That's, that's literally like how it is, it, an interaction, you know? Standard. Um, like whenever I do get, whenever I do get stopped, um, I got good friends that even with them sometimes giving me like PBA cards, which shows that your friends or family of the police, they'll still be like, okay, why are you giving me this for? I'm like, okay, <laughs> what the hell? And, and I remember my friend, like uh, my friend, like, I got him on the phone and he barked at some cop. He's a, he, he was, a, um, he was a, a detective and he, he barked at some cop. He's like, yo bro, what are you talking about? What if I pull over somebody in your family? Like blah, blah, blah. Like he just got on them. And then they're like, yo man, don't worry about it. Just go. But, it's not, it's never an easy transaction with, with, with that. So mm -hmm. that's basically how it is. It's uh, at least from my, from my eyes, I don't know if people have different experiences, but just for me and uh, for what my friends tell me and from what I'm seeing, 
that's how I had to behave. Like, I'm shook, bro. Like, seriously, I'm shook whenever a cop pulls me over. I don't feel that safe feeling that I seen. Um, and, you know, I seen a, a video, I think, uh, uh, Dave Portnoy, he put up a video. He said, I don't know what it's like. I used to feel safe whenever cops pull me over. Like, whenever I see cops around, I feel safe. I'm like, well, I don't, I mean, that's, I don't know. I, I don't know that feeling. Yeah, no, that's, that's the crazy thing. Cause that's my experience. You just made me, when you said you don't like, make sure you don't reach for anything. Yeah, like I never had that. No Dude, I got, I got pulled over once on the highway and I was in high school. And at the time we were super into airsoft. So we had like airsoft guns all the mm -hmm. time. And I, I, I was, I had it in my glove compartment and he was like, can you give me registration? So I, op I go to open the glove compartment and I go, Oh, there might be an airsoft gun in here if it's black, but it's fake. It's just an airsoft gun. And he just said, that's all good. Like he didn't open it himself. Jesus. He didn't do <laughs> nothing. And I, and at that time I remember thinking like, you should have took that more seriously, man. And, um, yeah, that, like that. So it. just, just, I keep, I keep every time I keep listening, I keep reflecting. I'm like, I was going to my friend's house in Jersey one time. And I think Chris was with me. I was going to my friend's house in Jersey. My friend, she was, uh, she was white, right? And she was driving, and it was me and a whole bunch of. I don't know if Chris was there. Yeah, she. That, you were there. Uh, big mansion, right? Yeah, yeah. When we were going out to our, our, was, our boy's house in, in in Englewood, and we were just like, we were in the. I was in the back seat. You know, the lights are off. She doesn't do all the stuff that I do, right? She's <laughs> yeah. over there like questioning the cop. I'm like, yo, please, can you relax? And I'm just like trying to keep my mind, you know, whatever. I'm just on my phone. She's like, why are you on the phone? I'm like, yo, bro, like, yo, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I remember Chris was like, yo, like, yo, get out the car. I'm like, oh my God, what the hell's going on? She's over here still screaming at them. I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm nervous as fuck. Nervous. I'm quiet. I'm just like... Like I get, we get out the car. Something falls out. She's like, "What you drop? You drop something?" I'm like, "I didn't drop anything, sir." And I, you know, I'm just like, "Yo, I'm just shitting bricks." And she's over here like agitating the cop. I'm like, "Yo, bro, can you just be quiet?" But Man. um, that's like the difference. And she's like upset for us. But I'm like, "Yeah, just don't get it. Like, just shut up." Like, you know, we we say, uh, you know, seriously, serious about not taking things too serious. And uh, literally after they let us go, we're making jokes all the way. Like, yo, yo, you in the back, <laughs> you, you right there, like pointing at me, like you right there, come out the car. Like, because it's like they like to pick on people. You know what I mean? They like to pick on, uh, you know, Hispanics, you know, blacks, anybody who's not white for some reason. It's like they, they just want to make an example for some reason or they have some type of grudge. Uh, and... They're always picking on us for some reason. We don't know. It's fucked up. You find the same thing all the places you've lived, Chris? Like Boston, Harlem, Bronx. Uh, I my my childhood is uh is you know a lot of things, a lot of things. But uh, I've had a lot of bad experiences with cops, especially with my parents and everything. So I don't know. It's always something. There's always something. Like I see my mom in handcuffs because uh, because of, of a dispute. Uh, you know, cops coming over all the freaking time because of something. And I don't know if every time they're around, I don't feel safe. I never felt safe ever. Uh, Cause I always felt like they're going to make something up or they're going to, you know, do something or whatever, just to, you know, lock us up. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's always been that I, I never felt safe around a cop. Outside of just getting like pulled over and shit, like Keith, have you ever dialed 911 for help? 
Hell no. <laughs> you don't ever call the cops. You don't ever dial 911. Uh, I think, I forget where I was talking on a live stream. I said I had a, uh, I had a seizure in college. I just like took some medication or like it was hot. I just had a bad mix of like things and I was partying and drinking and just wasn't taking care of my body. And I just, the next day I like, I think I like fainted because it was hot and I had a seizure. And what snapped me out of the seizure was someone said, call 911. And I like, heard that and came back to life like no do not do that because if you call them this is gonna go way left like I like was sweating I like came back to life drank some water and I was just I thanked everybody that was at the the house I was like do not call 911 do not call the cops because they'll come our college house had I don't know alcohol maybe some other paraphernalia whatever it was they they could come in there and turn the whole scene into something else and in my experience in college I went to Monmouth University um, I also went to James Madison University and I went to Ocean High School in Monmouth County. And, and I can tell you stories from each and every one of those years where I ran into the cops or I had an encounter with cops and people that know me now would never think that people that have been around me the last, I don't know, five, six years would never think that I have multiple charges, uh, things on my record, have been in and out, in and out of courts, have dealt with different police and I never, I, growing up, I never thought that it was me. I never thought that I was a bad person. I never thought that I was a troublemaker. I never thought that I was out to do things to get in trouble, cause mischief, because I wasn't. I played sports. Um, I got good grades. I treated everyone fairly. But because I was darker than everyone else I was around, a lot of times I did get singled out. The first time I got arrested, I was 13. I got a, I got a stupid charge because uh, we, we were burning fires. Like we were making little fires in the, in the woods. And, you know, we had like Roman candles and gunpowder. And I brought all of my school dittos. Like I saved like dittos. Cause I was like, okay, it's eighth grade graduation. And uh, at the end of the year, when school's over, like we're going to light fireworks and M nineties and Roman candles. And then like, I'm going to like burn this stack of papers. And we did that. Someone saw the smoke called the cops and um, what they recovered from, the fire was a ditto and on the top it said Keith McPherson no one else got charged but me and uh that's where like that's where it all started like with me um from that point on the way the the way those cops rolled up to my house they had the fire department they had the police I was in the shower getting ready to go to the eighth grade graduation my mom burst into the bathroom and she said what did you do and I was like nothing and she's like no you did something because there are cops here there's a fire department here and they have a burnt piece of paper with your name on it. They said you almost started a forest fire. And I'm like, mm. they stretched the truth. We were kids. We're playing around. Kids play with fire. You know, you get a, a pack of matches out of 7-Eleven or something. You're going to, you're going to, you know, you're going to burn some things. You're kids. You're going to. Fire's awesome. You're going to do that. Like, and I, no one got hurt. The, the, the woods didn't burn down, but I ended up getting charged. I ended up going to this like scared straight program. I went to this like Smokey the Bear fire education thing i don't know man i could go on from 13 to the last time i got arrested i was 36 so i had 13 years of like just things with the cops um people in the jersey shore area listening to this podcast you probably know how the cops are in that area how they get down they're bullies they run the show in every different part of it and if you're a darker person like me, a black person like me, you're going to stand out and you got to tread lightly or you could end up in some serious situation that could end up slowing you down through the grace of God. Like, you know, I was able to, um, you know, not not catch anything too serious or not get anything 
too serious on my record that stopped me from doing anything. But it, it definitely scarred me. I don't, I don't trust any cops. You'll never see me call 911 or call the cops just because that trust is broken. And, you know, from 13 to 26, I had got charged like every other year with something or at least been like detained or cuffed or put in a car or questioned. And, and like I said, the whole time I was thinking, I know I'm not a bad guy. I know this isn't me. Like, I know I'm just getting a bad rap because I'm a black kid in a white town. And like, that's not my fault. You know, those Jersey Shore cops are, I mean, that's the only time I've run into cops that have been like just straight up assholes when I was a teenager. Uh, mm. Those those guys just they're like bullies, the, man. But that's because they like they I have saw, like ultimate yeah. power and control. I saw I saw, I saw cops in Lavalette break a guy's arm on the beach once, and I, I went. Me and my dad went straight to the department and filed a complaint against that specific cop because it was like that was bad. And they kind of laughed at us the whole time we were filling out the complaint. Like this ain't gonna do anything because like, it's not because the it's way not. this. The way the system is set up there, let me tell us a quick story as fast as I can. My friend, one of my best friends, I was best man at his wedding. He pitched at West Virginia. I watched him, I watched him throw like eight shutout innings against Seton Hall when we were in college. I was so proud of him. And uh, he came home for Christmas break when we both turned 21. And I, was, uh, I used to DJ and MC. So there was this bar throwing a Christmas party, like a, a holiday event for us. And we had open bar. We could drink as much as we wanted. It's you at plus one. He was my plus one. Um, my fiance Nicole at the time, she's younger than me. She wasn't 21 yet. So I brought him as my date and uh, we got smashed. We had a blast, but I told him like, we got to slow down, dude, just cause this stuff is free. Like by the time we leave the bar and we go back to Nicole, my fiance's college house and you know, we're partying with some other people. He ended up blacking out where he slipped in the bathroom and he hit his head and he's like, gushing blood from his head and I, I catch him and I'm like, yo, bro, what are you doing? What's going on? But he's just out of it. So I'm cleaning him up. But when he like starts to gather himself and come through, he, he hits this rage. He thinks that someone did this to him. So he picks up a Jaeger uh, Meister bottle and chucks it across the room. That signaled to me like, okay, this isn't good. I tell the girls, go upstairs. Everybody go upstairs. Everybody get out. Like, let me handle this. I'm literally the only one in here, like strong enough to stop him. Cause he's like a bull in the China shop. We ended up wrestling for like 30 minutes. This is my brother. I told you I'm, I'm best man at his wedding. Like I, I wasn't going to punch him in the face. There's no way. Like I know that could have knocked him out and stopped him. But like, I, like you can't fight someone you love. But I'm like wrestling him and stopping him. This goes on for 30 minutes where I said I never call the cops. These girls called the cops thinking that that would be the best move. Like we're stuck upstairs. These guys are fighting, tearing our house up. The cops show up there. They assess the situation. I'm covered in blood. He's covered in blood. The house is broken up. They call, uh, call an ambulance. They put him in the ambulance. They put me in cuffs. They take me to the station and they charge me with assault. And, uh, the girls were yelling and screaming and crying. He didn't do anything. He was protecting us. Like, like we didn't call you here to arrest him. And they basically just told them, shut up. Don't worry about it. And now this is what made me think about it. When you said it, right. I went and got a lawyer. And when I got my lawyer, I'm like, we got to fight this. This is discrimination. I'm like, call the NAACP. Like, they, they arrested me because I'm black. My friend is white. And we're best friends. Like, he's not going to show up in court and charge me with anything because he knows he was wrong. He was blacked out. And even my lawyer is like, no way. He's like, no one in this county will go and fight those cops. We deal with them every week. We're in court That's with crazy. them every week. The prosecutor, like, he's like, if you're barking up that tree, I can't represent you. I'm like, well, let's just beat the wow. charges. 
in court. I had to go to court twice. They're calling out for the defendant. I won't say my boy's name, but they're calling his name. The first, the first time they're calling his name. And I'm like, he's not here. My lawyer literally is like, like telling me like, shut up, be quiet. The next time we go, they do it again. And I'm like, I bit my tongue. They dismissed the case. I ended up just, I didn't get anything. I ended up just paying my lawyer. My, my lawyer took care of it. But like, that should have never happened. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. Never should the never benefit of the doubt. How about that? There's never that feeling of, oh, yeah, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They're I want, guilty until proven innocent. I want, yeah, I want to talk about uh, Yankee Stadium and, and, and that stuff. But, Jake, have you ever called the cops for help? I ever called the cops for help. I know I have a bunch and I just crazy to me. And, and like, like I said, reflecting heartbreaking that you guys don't have that option. Yeah. Like that's uh, so fucking wrong. I, uh, I don't think I have. Um, and, uh, a couple things, uh, about 30 minutes deep. Uh, this is my first time chiming in uh, a couple things. If you're some of our young listeners, you're asking what you can do. You can listen. Listening's a part of it. Listen to everything that's happening. Second part of that, Jimmy, I'm never letting you have guests again. Give me attention, okay? You're, I was waiting you're, for you. I was like, Jake's not talking at all. You didn't ask how I was. I thought you were going around the corner. You, you never asked me. Um, I'm just standing in the kitchen. I was kitchen about to text like, you and be like, are you not talking all show? What are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm in the kitchen chopping up vegetables while you talk to our guests and you flirt with them. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to get him. No. Um, and I, uh, I, I think stories, you know, Jim, I've, I've told you this theory many a times that, uh, you know, story alley. I think there's one of my ancestors that just told stories in an alley and they gave him that nickname. Um, and, uh, and that's what stuck. Um, and yeah, man, uh, my biggest thing is just all, all my stories go back to, uh, you know, and like, like Keith mentioned, and I, I hadn't gone back even far enough. I know there's a story I've told you a bunch of times. I, I peed during the mile run, turned into a joke. Some teacher saw me, I got yelled at, you know, uh, what if I was a person of color, you know, uh, is it, does that raise flags? Do they do something? All of our partying stories, all of them, um, whether it's riding in the back seat drinking beers, whether it's, um, you know, college parties at our house and, you know, you're flagging down the cops, whether it's, you know, me, me running around uh, with the gasoline canister, whether it's, um, <laughs> I mean, all of them, Jimmy. I mean, think, think about how silly of a story that is in, in our heads. We're, we're drunk. I was so drunk, I thought my girlfriend dumped me, so I was yelling around, crying and screaming. Ran to her dorm room in my boxers, uh, carrying a gasoline canister. Don't I even burn the dorm down. Yeah, how how does that end? How does that story end for me if I was a person of color? So, and I uh, I just have a laundry list of those, man. And uh, yeah, like I something and and I like Jimmy started alluding to. We want to bring this conversation to the Bronx a little bit. And guess what, like. I still hope that there's time at the end of this to talk a little Yankees. I'd love to talk some, some fucking Talkman and Anduhar with you guys and, and see where we land. Um, and if you're one of our listeners who's sitting there wondering why we're not talking about Talkman and Anduhar, you need, you're the one that needs to be listening because that's why we're still talking about this. Um, so, 
uh, came in hot there. Jimmy, stop flirting with the other guys. But um, uh, what Joe said, which was kind of uh, impactful for me, and my my notes for this, which we had in a little group chat, were I just wrote the word Bronx. Um, because like Jimmy said, we have an office in the Bronx, and everyone's kind of wondering what they can chew off and what they can do. And we, even before any of this, we wanted to get involved in the Bronx. I know Jimmy's had like a Bronx home run derby dream in his head. We'll see if we get there one day. Uh, I want to hold, I want to, yeah, I want to host home run derby for high school kids in the Bronx. With all the high school kids or something. I think that'd be a good time, but I think, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to think of some impactful stuff. And what Joe's, what Joe said, which, which started to get to me was, uh, kind of the people knowing the cops um, because, you know, in our hometown or my hometown, you know, we kind of did know the cops and it was one, one kid's dad. And there was the one cop that, um, you know, <laughs> dodge him if you're drinking and driving, which again, uh, talk about some white people problems in my own town. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think that really is, impactful and maybe that's that's a start and if you're you know if you're dreaming big or small that's something that i i've already kind of written down that like hey <laughs> we got to weed out the bad cops that's kind of another topic that might be above yeah. us and that's mm-hmm. political and go vote and all that stuff whatever mm-hmm. um but you know we that's that's something that's got to happen and there has to be transparency and jim your story <laughs> about you and your dad telling the cops that an officer broke an arm and they laughed at you if you were a person of color, you don't report that. Because mm-hmm. guess what? Then you're on their radar. Um, and, and again, that's how it starts signing. But I'm, I'm kind of interested, and I want to, like I said, bring this to what we can do in the Bronx and maybe small things or little things. But, man, getting, getting people comfortable with the cops is a huge step. Yeah. Um, and I wonder where it starts because it's, you know, is it bringing them into the schools? And I'm – you know, in, in the Bronx, did the police come to school? Were they doing like dare and stuff like that? And was it just a joke or, um, you know, I, I'm trying to think and <laughs> I don't even know where to start. And that's the problem with a lot of people, but let's start with the Bronx. Let's start with any ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, well, personally, I think that, well, just the whole, the whole system kind of needs to get like, reworked right like the whole the whole system of like the whole police system just needs to get kind of reworked right um that's a longer conversation obviously one thing is is that just involving them into communities it doesn't take too much to be able to plan out. i mean they have time police officers plan out and they do pal tournaments police league tournaments where they're doing baseball things and stuff like that, then maybe they could do something like that with the community. Um, yes. They do things like, you know, um, they could. I remember when I was younger, they used to have something called like Yogi Bear. And Yogi Bear used to come to the, to the park and they used to throw like a whole freaking barbecue for like the whole neighborhood or whatever. Kids used to come. They used to bring like a whole bunch of like, like sliding, like those inflatable sliding things or whatever it is. And then they would come. Um, like that would be cool. Uh, if maybe the police department would do something like that. Um, cause then at the same time you start to get to know people from the precinct. Right. And you get, you know, they get to know you, they get to know the kids in the area and you know, it's, it's more of a look out kind of thing. Right. Like, um, 
You can see police officers maybe playing pickup games with other people, basketball games. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can do. Right now, they don't really do it in the community. Like, they don't really do too much in the community. At least not mine, right? At the Bronx. Um, right? <laughs> and then, no. Yeah, not like my precinct or precincts, right? They don't really do that. Um, they could have cops. I'm sure a whole bunch of cops would volunteer to do that stuff. Uh, you know, so it's like, I, I think that could be, that would go a long way to maybe getting to know the community and the community getting to know them and then just kind of building that trust. Because it's kind of different for you to, I, how do I say this? It's not that it's, it's, it's a little bit, you kind of think about it twice. If you kind of seen this person before and you kind of know of them and you know their family, you're like, yo, go home, man. I will tell your mom or talk to your mom or whatever it is. Uh, like that's, that's impactful, right? Cause maybe like these cops kind of know you or they know the community or they know people that live in that community. Like that could be something that they can do. Um, yeah, maybe reach out. Cause to be honest, my goal is not to just stay in the Bronx. Me personally is I want to get the hell up out of the Bronx, right? Like that's just me because I know that staying here just that environment is not going to be going to be good for my kids, you know, personally, um, unless it changes, but it's going to take a lot for it to change and a lot of effort, you know, police department wise for it to change as it, well. It can change. Uh, if you don't mind me speaking on New Jersey and I know someone's listening to this podcast now and is waiting for us to put a positive spin and say that, you know, all officers aren't bad. All police are not bad guys. And in Camden and also Newark in the past week, there were peaceful protests where the cops and the people, the citizens, the community joined in together. Mm-hmm. And those are two places that in New Jersey were known for the worst crime rates, notoriously dangerous cities. But in the community, the cops have repaired the relationship with the citizens. Mm-hmm. They do know the people that walk the streets and, and the people that walk the streets do know them and see them and have conversations with them where when it comes time to protest, no, it's not going to get crazy because I'm not going to fight Officer Williams. Right, right. Or I'm not going to fight, you know, I'm just throwing a name out there. I don't know. Officer Johnson, who went to high school with my uncle, because, like, they, they worked. And, and a lot of times it takes a new police chief or, I guess, you know, someone getting voted in to make the change. Even in Asbury Park, where I'm from, Ocean Township is right next to Asbury Park, there was a lot of corruption in Asbury Park. There was a lot of drugs, mm-hmm. violence, gangs, whatever, name it. And uh, when I grew up as a kid... They told you don't go to Asbury. That was the hood. I used to get my haircut in Asbury with my brother on Cookman Ave, where now you would never see a black barbershop because they've revamped that whole area. But growing up, it was like you stay away from Asbury Park. Bad things happen there. Drugs, violence, crime. And they had a peaceful protest this weekend, too. Everyone met at the police headquarters and they've gone a long way to I think they threw out the old mayor and they threw out the old police chief, brought in new people. And over the course of the last, let's say, 10 years, they repaired that relationship with the people in the community, rebuilt that community, and everything is better. I'm sure it can get better in the Bronx, Mm -hmm. but it takes a leader. It takes the right people to be voted in. It takes the right people to have the job to say, this is what we want here. And I don't know. I don't know. You got to vote. You got to figure out who those right people are. And some people got to step up. I know I'm past my prime, but I'm like this whole situation. I'm like, I, I wish I could be a cop or like a, you know, like an FBI agent or like somebody that can just like have power and help. That is good. Yeah. I mean, I hey, you got a platform, though. You built something that you can you can 
use off of. And you've been doing a hell it. of a job of that all yeah. all week. So I wouldn't say you're not doing nothing. Yeah. Right. What I mean, about it's, it's internet though? I want I want to see it happen in real life with some of these kids. Yeah. These people. I want these people to feel safe, and I want people to know that like like we got to rework this whole thing. We got to revamp this whole thing. We can live in a country where to protect and serve is what the cops do across the board. Should be the easy goal. Yeah. I mean, what about Yankee stadium? Like Joe's remember last, last playoffs when uh, a lot of people were giving Yankee fans shit for chanting Uber at uh Dobnak, that was mm-hmm. his name. And a lot of people were like, Oh, these rich white Yankee fans. And I remember you were like, do you know who Yankee fans are? Like, yeah, you've been to a Yankee game. So like, is the environment in Yankee stadium with the security or the cops in Yankee stadium, the community in the stadium, like how much is that similar to the Bronx or different to the Bronx? Like, is it more friendly, more welcoming, or is it just as shitty, just as unsafe? Well, I mean, for me, maybe my experience is a little bit different than not. Cause I, I've been there so much. I kind of know a lot of the, like security that lit, that works there, they're like we're really cool. Um, not all of them, but you know, with most of them, um, especially people from my section. Uh, but you know, like the way it is there, and it's kind of mixy. Like the the crowd's kind of mixy. It it is a lot of Spanish, a lot of you know, it's it's mostly white to be honest. Uh, you know, when it comes to Yankee Stadium, when I used to skateboard. Uh, before when I used to skateboard up, up in 161 in the courthouse. Um, that's basically like I used to skate there and stuff like that. And that's where I would see, I would mostly see like like people when they come into the Bronx, like that's the only reason they would basically come in the Bronx, Yankee Stadium, and then get the hell up out of here and go home, right? Um, or maybe the Bronx Zoo. I guess maybe the Bronx Zoo. They could come to the Bronx Zoo. I don't know. Like, Shout but, out. <laughs> but basically, it's Yankee Stadium, and that's it, right? And then, um, Botanical so, Garden. Yeah, in the stadium itself, it is you know predominantly, predominantly white, and the chance I don't, I haven't heard anything like, like, I, I, I don't know if I've personally, I haven't heard anything like racist. I, the only thing that I've heard is like, uh probably people cursing a lot like people will curse a lot like i think you can say especially around my kids it's like yo bro come on but uh that that's the only thing that i see over there um i don't know if it's the same way for all stadiums right but i know in yankee stadium itself it's not like that probably the the craziest thing i probably seen like around my area is uh you know in the bleachers in the playoffs i think there was uh somebody from another team there and they kind of drench him in like beer or something like that. Like it's like something like that, but that's like fan stuff. That's not, I don't think that that's something that's racial or anything like that, but, um, not to, that not, it doesn't not to knock the Red Sox, even though it's fun on a Yankees podcast, but I was going to say that Tory Hunter just said he had a no trade clause for Boston because the fans, the shit, the fans would yell at him during games as an away player made him never, ever want to play for that city. Adam Jones has said similar things. Um, but yeah, you don't hear that much about Yankee Stadium. Keith, what's your experience like in the stadium? Before you came, became the Keith McPherson everyone wants to take a picture with. <laughs> um, honestly, Yankee Stadium is the safest place. And it's a tourist attraction. I tell people all the time, New York City, think about how many tourists are in New York City and want to go to Yankee Stadium. So the police presence there is huge. 
but they're not harassing people because like Joe said, it's, it's predominantly white. And like I just said, it's, it's mostly tourists. So yeah. the only way you get yoked up or jacked up by a cop is if you fight or you throw something or you get stupid. rowdy. Yeah. And um, like, like Joe also said, like, I know the security, like the Yankees employed security. I know the security at certain sections. Like I dap these guys up. I know their first names. I say what's up to them. Sometimes like I'm able to maneuver through Yankee stadium with a mm -hmm. ticket only to one section because I do know security and like right, if you right. go to enough games, they know who you are. They see who you are and they're, they're nice to you. It's literally like great to have a friend in the stadium in different sections. Um, Yankee stadium is different with the police presence. Obviously they keep that area super safe because there's tourists because there's white people. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, you know, we know the surrounding area because we're, we're there so much, but there's a lot of people that they come up to the stadium, they park in the garage, they walk into the stadium and like, they don't ever venture out around, but like, like not far from the stadium, it can get hectic. And there's all the police presence in one place and not as much in another, but Yankee stadium is safe. I've never had any issues in Yankee stadium. I had one guy in the ALCS, um, last year when I had the fro and my hair was spiky, uh, something happened and we were all high-fiving and yelling, yeah, and this guy, like, palmed my head, like, tapped the top of my head. Nah. And, like, I'm a grown man, dog. He was a, he was a big dude, but, like, my me. first reaction was, just, no. so I, I pushed him and he's looking at me like, you want to go? And I'm thinking, like, like, I can't fight you in Yankee Stadium, bro. Like, I don't want to go to Was Yankee he behind Stadium. you? He he yeah. So he my so he back had the was, high ground. So you my back was him. my back was turned when he when he did the coward move to like like hit my fro, but when I turned around and pushed him, that's when he got tough. And like I literally had the the first thought was I can't get banned from Yankee Stadium and I don't want to go to Yankee Jail. Yeah, I won't fight anyone in Yankee Stadium. You could you could you could punch me, spit on me. Like I love the Yankees. I love Yankee Stadium. So I'll I'll get beat up. And, and before I let them, because you could get banned, you could get tossed in Yankee jail and then you could get banned and they tell you never come back. I'll, that will never be me. I'll break my heart. No, nah, it'll never happen, bro. <laughs> no, Jake's, Jake's saying like officer recognition is important. You guys saying that you know the security and the officers at Yankee Stadium because you go there so much. What's that, 40 games, Joe's 40 games? People live in their fucking neighborhoods. Yeah. And there should be a cop on the beat. Thank you. You're going there for three hours for 40 nights. And we got people living on the same street every hour, every day. And they don't know the name of the cop that protects their beat. Like, yeah. that seems pretty silly. You kind of know. Or it should kind of know. Yeah. You have that, that trust. And it's funny, you know, when you mentioned, you mentioned Tory Hunter. And you mentioned um, uh, Adam Jones. And I was thinking about this the other day because I was, I, do, you, do you guys remember when they threw, I think in Fenway, somebody threw like a, a banana at Adam Jones or something like that, right? And that shit, that shit pissed me off, right? And, um, and I remember how CC, you know, like, like all of the, all, all of the players, because like all of the black players, they were like really upset about it as well too. Um, because to be honest, Baseball, like we look at it multicultural and, you know, I'm Dominican is the big Dominican presence. But to be honest, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like a white boy sport. Right. It, you know, compared to some of the other sports, unless yeah, definitely. You know, we're talking about hockey. Right. But it's it's stuff like that. And, you know, and I think somebody put down a banner in Fenway where they said um, racism, uh, racism is as American as baseball, as baseball. And you know what? I, I got to thinking and I said, you know what? Baseball is the oldest sport in this country. 
it's probably the only sport. I don't know. You guys could correct me if I'm wrong. It's probably the only sport that has been around since segregation. Um, team sport, I believe so, yeah. Team sport. So it's kind of been like, and then, you know, knowing all that, and then for, it kind of pisses me off. I'm going to be continuously dropped the freaking ball, right? Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like they kind of hide it behind this, oh, you know, we put up Jackie Robinson on this pedestal, and then <laughs> they don't do other stuff, right? But it just, it, it feels like, like for them to, the, the time that they use to react, you know, to put up this post to, you know, about, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter, forever. And, you know, that, that's, that's annoying. And for you to tell, I don't know, did they tell Adam Jones or Tory Hunter, don't speak about like the racial stuff that you go Tory through? Hunter. Tory, Tory Hunter. Hunter. Like, that's a joke, bro. Like all of these, you know, NBA looks like they encourage their players to like really talk about it, right? Be out there, be, you know, speak about it more. And, you know, silence is part of the problem, right? Where that that kind of upsets me, you know, where it's like, yo, like, how are you going to get past this? You know, you're the oldest sport here. You're the sport that's been around since forever, and it looks like you're the one that's kind of the most rigid to change, you know, with some of these things. I'm not saying that they're bad with integration and stuff like that, but it's just how how do you feel that how, – how would you feel wanting to go into a – into a sport or something like that, where it's, it doesn't look like they're really encouraging you to want to do that stuff or you make you feel like you're protected or you're already the minority coming in. Do you remember, right? you guys obviously remember Black History Month just passed. And I, yeah. asked, I asked Jimmy if it was cool if I do some Black History Month baseball stuff for John Boy Media. And I did some research and I looked at the numbers and the percentage of African-American players in the league should be alarming enough that Major League Baseball has an initiative to change that. But when you think about it, like, like racism being as old as baseball, it also falls along with the lines of like the unwritten rules of baseball. It's just like a part of it. And the fact that like, even like we talk about Fenway and Yawkey Way, they just changed the name of Yawkey Way like three years ago. And he was a known racist. Like having the area called Yawkey Way and people knowing the history of this guy and knowing he was a racist plays into it. Like that's, about that. not, like, that's not good at all. But mm-hmm. People were upset about that change, by the way. You, I mean, yeah, people would have protested that. History, that's history, guys. Like... It's history. Oh, my. Um, I don't know, man. Horrible. It, yeah, man. When I uh, uh, I drove down, uh, my, my first escape from the city during quarantine, went to see the girlfriend's family in South Carolina. And we uh, – yeah, uh, traffic accident. So we're using ways and we, uh, we're, we're out in North, North Carolina. Come on and raise up. And we, uh, we're going through this podunk town, Confederate flag flying high. Um, and by the way, uh, we need to get gas. So we pulled in the gas station, got some gas and went on our way. And if I was a person of color, I'm not stopping at that gas station. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where, you know, this country still has such a problem with, you know, history is important, uh, but we have to remember it for the right reasons. And like the, I think a Robert E. Lee statue came down today yeah. and people are still fighting that in uh-huh. Virginia. And it's like, guys, uh, let's remember that, but yeah. let's not remember it from like the bad guy perspective. Um, and it's, it's insane. And while we got Tory Hunter out there, if you're, if you haven't checked out his Twitter um, I, I think he posted a story that was, I think he called the cops to his house for something and they showed up um, 
and he, they held he was, him at gunpoint. Yeah, he was um, almost killed. Until he got his ID. <laughs> Two cops. One cop knew and didn't say anything, A. Um, and then the other cop had no idea was the one holding him at gunpoint. Crazy. And, like, just think about that. Think about every conversation we've had. And now, you know, and Tory Hunter, freaking superstar athlete, like, um, and cops in his home holding him at gunpoint. And it's just, uh, it's mind-numbing. It's mind-numbing. Did you guys see the Ken Rosenthal article where, the, like, at the top of the tweet, he wrote that Latroy Hawkins, every time he got traded, we all know he played for a bunch of teams, every time he got traded to a different city, he would go to the police department and make himself familiar with the police department. Like, and I, I, re I replied to that tweet. I'm like, this guy is a professional athlete going from city to city, but he's conscious enough to know that he is black in this city and they don't know who he is, that he has to get in front of it, right? He's got to get in front of the police potentially <laughs> killing him. So let me be friendly. What did he show up to the like police precinct with, with donuts in Toronto and Denver? And like, it to, for me to even think about that, I'm like, like, this is wrong. This is all wrong. You think Paxton and Hap did that when they were traded over? <laughs> no, you shouldn't yeah. have to do that. No one should have to do that. Yeah. The history is so crazy. If, if no one knows the story, uh, read up about, um, uh, what's his name? Moses Fleetwood Walker. He was a, a black catcher that they tried to, you know, he could have been Jackie Robinson, but they refused him. His pitchers would intentionally cross him up shake yes on the curveball and just fire fastball at him. Whoa. It's a fucked up story. Wow. A lot of them. Uh, all right. You guys want to pivot to, to some Yankees talk to end yeah. out the show? Yeah. I guess we'll start with Talkman and Andujar. <laughs> built, built it up. Um, no, Jake, Jim, Jake teased is, it. This is a uh, – and, yeah, everyone who listened to that, thank you, and keep the conversation going. That's kind of the biggest part. Yep. Um, I uh, and when I where are you guys? Hey, well, no. Let's let's live in a dream world. We're we're gonna a we we we're attacking racism. We'll keep doing that. B baseball comes back. Eighty-two games, half a season. We're running it. Whatever. What's your guys like? Get give me. It doesn't have to be a hot take. But what's what's your take for an eighty-two game season? Like who's Who's on your map? Do you think Andujar goes nuts for 82 games? Do you think Paxton Cy Young? What's uh? Who do you have jumping out to you in a shortened season? Hey, Severino coming back, guy. baby. He's starting, baby. Severino. <laughs> no, <I'm good. laughs> I knew we were gonna start joking because we we kind of already thought of it. I know. You know, my my dream is that John Carlos Stanton, like he hits his god level. I I called that year that he hit 59 home runs. I'm like he had like a hot month or two where he was just on this God level where he was hitting everything out. I even went to Miami cause I thought he was going to hit 60. I, I have this dream that like, we haven't seen him play in so long, but in this shortened season, he comes back and he's just hitting bombs every game. Like every other game he's hitting a bomb and he propels us to win the chip and he's the MVP. And then all the other stuff that Yankee fans booed him and the golden sombreros, all of that is forgotten. I would love that okay. to happen. To him. <laughs> Keith has come a long way, hasn't he? Huh? Yo, he's expensive. Podcast. He's expensive. When he first got hurt. 
Keith was like, yo, I'm out. Yo, Carlo, he's done. I don't want to hear him. I don't want to hear it. I'm like, yo, Keith, relax. Nah, I'm done. He's done. Forget it. He, he want to get hurt. I'm like, yo, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. I just, I, yo, Rush this guy, me. I met him. He, is, he looks like an NFL tight end. He's a freak. And when we signed him was the first time when, like, in a little while where I was like, the evil empire is back, baby. Here we come. We're adding John Carlo NL MVP to the baby bombers. And then he did all right, but he never hit his NL MVP form. And then he was hurt. And I'm like, oh, his big buff ass is hurt again. I'm like, man, I'm done with him. I unsubscribe from him. <laughs> unsubscribe. 50-game um, season, 60-game season. You guys ready to have panic attacks every fucking night? I don't like football. Oh, geez, 50 games. See, I don't, I don't. Every game counts. No. Yeah, every game counts. I'm not. Goes, you're always saying live and die, right? Mm-hmm. Live and die. Uh, it, was, it was 162 one-game seasons. Yeah, yeah. So, Imagine 61-game seasons. <laughs> it's like a two-game losing streak. I can't say relax anymore. It's like, oh, shit. We're yeah. out. We're you in. remember the We're pain out. of a frustrating loss? Like, you can still feel it in, like, your chest a little, laying in bed. Like, why did I get so worked up? How am I so worked up? How fuck did they lose that game? I Detroit. Know. It's been so long. There is a positive. No West Coast road trip? Anybody, yeah. anybody happy yeah. about that? A, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> Everything's on the East Coast. Give no week that. of no sleep. Yes. Not even any 8 o'clock starts. If they do do this proposal and yeah. it's all West Coast games, man, that's cool. No DH, no interleague? Well, no, no. They, definitely a DH. That's, that's DH. what I'm happy about. Uh, oh, yeah. We're, uh, yeah, what am I saying? I said that back. Yeah. Yeah. Christian, give me something good, man. I need something. Torres going to win MVP. Who? Oh. Torres. Labor Torres. Labor? Labor? All right. Good MVP. It might be like a, a, a 20 guy race for MVP. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's either, it's either one dude bats like 430. Oh, yeah. Insane. Or there's like 20 guys that bat 330. I, all I got to say is <laughs> now there's no, ah, you know, that, you know, we can come back. Don't worry about it. It's, you got to start hot. You, you have to start hot. I mean, teams that we're kind of dismissing, you got to worry about now. Like, who could kind of see, like, the Orioles making, like, a little run? Like, no. Nobody, Joe. <laughs> nobody. The Astros. Use, like any, use any other team. Blue Jays. Yeah. Blue Jays. Oh, yeah. Blue Jays. Shit. You know what, too, Blue right? Jays. So, like, sometimes when baseball starts, it's cold. Opening day, usually we go to opening day with our jackets and hoodies on. John Carlo is a guy that played in Miami, also from California. He likes the hot weather. Chapman, too. This, Chapman, too. Chapman, too. Like, these guys, that these hot weather guys, they're going to be ready to go right away. They don't have a couple-month warm-up. Like, throw them in there. They're ready to rock. Also, like, the Yankees' depth does work, but I get so confused and conflicted because if every game counts, as much as every game's going to count, are we really going to roll out? Clint. Clint. Nestor. <laughs> Clinton Center. I know Nestor's not with the team anymore. You, know, you get what I'm saying? Like, are we really going to roll out, like, these kind of oh. uh, lineups? Those guys. You know, it's better not make an error in these games. Every game it's a 50-game season, you make an error. Like, people talking yeah. about a game 30. Oh, you know, we could have been <laughs> X amount of games. 
if this person didn't make an error in right field. Glaber, Glaber at short, full time, first time. Where's Romine? Um, oh man! Trade. If Gary gets hurt and there's no trades, and it's well, we got a uh, Ianetta and yeah, we got we got too many old guys. Um, yeah, I, I think a shortened season sucks for Clint because if every game matters, you're not going to put at Clint on defense. You're not going to start him, and then he just gets completely stashed and plays in blowouts if they run it that way. But Wade may become Wait. like pinch runner extraordinaire if oh, every game star. counts. Defensive replacement, a strong as a pinch runner. All star weight. Yeah, it's like a, it's like NFL. They do kick returners. Yeah. Well, he's gonna start doing base runners. <laughs> he weighed. I've, I've got Jim. This is from uh, the voicemail episode. I think yesterday, and, and maybe I'm rephrasing it, and maybe you can make it better. But uh, what position does Miguel Andujar play the most this year? DH. DH. What if DH doesn't count? Why wouldn't it count? Oh, uh, oh, okay. Um, Left field. No, everyone's healthy. First pinch hitter. Base. First base. I, I think it goes DH, pinch hitter, first base. I do. I'm kind of serious. Yeah. Is Judge like, back on time? In time? No. But yeah. Dude, who does Anduhar even pinch hit for? Um, yeah. Guardy and then left. <laughs> Guardy Wade goes out the defensive replacement. That's what I'm saying, but that's like <laughs> that's if there's a lefty and that's in a bat. What after the sixth inning? Ah, give us baseball, man, because that'd be fun. Fun shit, yeah. I yeah, I wanna. There's gonna What's be a Talkman doing. What Where about, we got uh, Talkman? A lot of what about Voight and Ford at first? You think Voight is gonna hold it down for this whole short season, or you think Mike Ford's gonna? Hey, Voight, Voight loves small stints, man. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just, do, just crush it for Ball two months. sample size. He's done that. Now, I got faith in Voight. I, I like Voight. Um, yeah. He's earned it. Yeah, he's earned it to get it. But, like, how long can you let a guy go, you know? Can you I mean, let a guy start the season you two for 30? Him. Yeah. You know, oh. and say so you're just going to get out of it? Not <laughs> if you have another option. If you have a Mike Ford, you can't let him struggle for long. You, Voight, right. you can't let Voight struggle for long. Two for 15, you're out. Two for 15, you're out. Yeah. It's over. What about our pitching? What are you guys singing about Monty, Gumby? I'm happy with – the pitching will be fine. Like, no Severino, yeah. but I still believe in uh, whippy hap, crushing spring mm-hmm. training. Yeah. And that's half ironic and half real, but get it done, hap. Mm-hmm. I mean, Garrett Cole, he's fucking good. Paxton's healthy. Tanaka, I'm still pretty – Pretty pleased and happy yeah. with, the, with the staff, especially with the bullpen help. The bullpen, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pitching staff, I think if you're going to – I'm confident. I'm more confident in the pitching staff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're, if you're going to run this like a 50-game season, I think the Yankees got a huge advantage with that pitching staff, man. They could – if they really wanted to short, like shorten games like crazy if they really wanted to and get as many wins. Yos, don't tease yourself, dude, because you know six inning, one run lead, here comes Holder. You know that. <laughs> what about this? What if they use this? What if they use the expanded roster as a way to develop for this – or not develop, but use Clark Schmidt, King, Davey as a Chad Green guy? Like, all right, we're up four to nothing in the sixth inning. If you go give us three, if you, if you falter early, you have the short, short leash. But, like, mm-hmm. they maybe develop those guys as a bridge – 
bridge pitcher because what else are you going to do with them? Stash them? Yeah, they ain't. They can't play triple uh, A. Like they can't play double A. There's none of that. How do you guys feel about that? I really feel some type of way about the minor yeah. leagues. Like this is going to affect the future, and I feel bad for some of these young guys. Um, I know you guys saw the uh, what was his name from the Mets that kind of took you know some shots at Tebow and the organization, and, and that really made me think. I'm like, you know, there's some people that got drafted in these last few years that. You know, this is their life. This is their career. The the minor leagues are a big question mark right now. Yeah. I mean, they were getting revamped and cut down already. And then with the, the five-round draft, they get cut even more. And it sucks, man. But, yeah, it sucks for, it sucks for guys that were going to make a couple money and play ball. I think for the guys that are going to make the bigs, they're still – They're still in there. They're still in there. Um, you know, Jason was like, Jason oh, man, don't, don't get surprised, man. Jason Dominguez released Jason Dominguez. Oh, <laughs> oh, I mean, don't forget the Yankees got to cut like another hundred players. Yeah. Yeah. They got to go from eight teams to four. There's at least 20 guys on the team, right? That's a rough job. They got a lot of cuts to make. Or Cashman's just going to go trade fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what happens to those Cash players? Do you still keep their rights next year? Or what happens? Like, or are they just free? They can just sign with any team. Those guys are the ones that the Yankees cut, the 45, they're just free. They can collect right. unemployment too, which gives them more money than what they're making from the Yankees. That's right. This is true. That's, that's so, what if, so what if there's one player whose heart wasn't in it anymore? He was like, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging them up. I'm done. This was great news for him. Honey, we got unemployment. It's better Career than my change. minor league I salary. Oh, made it. I made it. <laughs> um, I, but I mean, like the other play, like you said, a hundred more cuts. It's got to be a lot of cuts somewhere because they got to go from eight affiliates to four. I mean that that sucks for a lot of people. You know, it's just. Not to be dark here, do you guys remember that like space movie? I think it was like Matthew McConaughey or like Matt Damon where they go out to space, but I forget what it was called, but they show baseball being played with like no fans in the like deep future. And it was eerie to me. I remember seeing it, it was like baseball was being played out in the like sticks with no fans. And I'm like, this isn't the future of baseball. But then I had a dark moment when they cut the, the minor leagues and then obviously we're in nego negotiations now. And I'm like, if they don't get baseball back, like the popularity is going to die down maybe in the future, like that weird movie. I wish I knew that movie. It's like a interstellar. Interstellar, yes. Interstellar. Would you look it up? You knew exactly what I was talking about, right? I thought it. I thought it was. I had a weird thing with that movie where, uh, like, three Fridays in a row, I was Jakey living alone in Dallas, and I like threw it on, kind of buzzed, and I was like, I'm gonna watch this. Never watched oh, no, it. No. <laughs> Never watched it. But they have a weird like scene where like the ba it's professional baseball. I think it's even the Yankees, and like no one is at the game. Like no one is interested in baseball in the like deep future. And I'm like, no way, that'll never happen. And now, through what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, I'm like, oh shit, they might have been haunted. <laughs> at least the Texas teams will have uh, maybe fans in the stands. Maybe if, if they yeah, do they said that, they're trying to do. I think everyone will cave. I mean, I've said it. I don't know where I've said it, but throws. if we don't see Corona tick up. Like, Georgia's been open for a couple weeks. I don't think yeah. they've ticked up. If we don't see Corona tick up after all the protests and everything, right? no one's going to follow suit. Everyone's Every restaurant, every event place, every venue is going to be like, well, uh, I How guess we're good. Got to make money. How did it just disappear? 
What about this second wave? You think there's going to be a second wave of Corona? And if that happens, like that's another disaster if we start the season and then we can't like crown a champion because coronavirus, the coronavirus flares back up and they have to shut the season down. That's what the owners are really worried about. That's why they want, they have a, they don't want to push the playoffs past the normal playoff time at all. Cause they're worried about that second mm. wave. October 31st. Uh, CNN came out. Uh, it was like at two thirty earlier today. It says the U S reported almost 20,000 new cases of COVID-19 yesterday. Okay. Experts warned that while they may not be mutating, the threat remains. I was like, get the fuck out of here, man. Okay. I mean, believe what you want to believe. Yeah, at this exactly. Point. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Today, uh, I, I told I told the guys before we started. Um, went out. Uh, we were sharing our dinner meals. Found a Mexican place. Burritos y Mas. Shout out. Awesome. Um, like what they're putting out. Um, but I walked there, pick it up. And uh, today was the first day that it felt like I lived in New York City. <laughs> I, I moved here the first week of March. Um, and that was kind of like, I live in New York City now. Look at me. Uh, yeah, I was like, you know, should I go to the Knicks game? No, I'll go next week. Uh, then COVID, uh, city shut down. And now, uh, you know, here we are a couple months later with uh, – even crazier stuff going on in America. Um, but man, the people were out. There were people on street corners outside of bodegas wearing old Yankee hats. And I know if I if I jumped in, I was about to get a bad like Gary Sanchez take or a, a tough like, you know, it, judge is never going to be the captain or something. And that felt good. That felt like New York City. But it's, uh, it's going to be interesting, man, because I don't know. I, I feel – me and Jimmy have been like kind of blindsided. Well, everyone's been blindsided by Corona, but we, we're at the point where it's like, hey, what's next? Because if people are going out, like, what are we doing? Right. What, what are we doing? Is, that, is everybody going to get really sick? Because I'm seeing rallies of, you know, thousands and thousands of people around the country right. that no we mask. just said we weren't doing this for two months. No mask. No yeah, no. let's wait it out <laughs> give it like a couple weeks and see what yeah, I'll, and see, I'll never forget uh i'm wearing the john boy media shirt that we were gonna throw the party yeah. um, and give these shirts out and i'll never forget the conversations i was having with the owner of billy's and that is when literally like i knew we had to cancel that that is when i first took the coronavirus serious because a week before that two weeks before that we were at spring training we were getting ready for the season we thought everything was great and Man, the way things have like changed so much so fast, like everything happens for a reason. I'm a, I'm a universe person and uh, I believe in the universe. A year ago around this time, I was in the suite with you guys, Batista Suite. I was so pumped to meet John Boy and Jake. I was, I was singing the theme song. I just was, I was a fan, just pumped. Fast forward to here we are now. And I know that like you guys making the decision to move to New York and uh, get the office and, you know, all of us working together, like we will get a time in the next year or whenever it is um, that we're like, man, it was all worth it. Like, and I, I feel that way about the country too. You got to go through it to, to get to it. Like we want to see a better mm -hmm. future. We want to see a better America and everyone, you know, caring about each other and ending racism and police brutality and all that. And I feel like we, you know, we have to go through this hard part, but you know, 
it's all going to be worth it in the end. And when we get there, it's going to be even better than it was. Like, it's going to be super lit. Like, we thought we had fun at Yankee games before. We thought we had fun in the office for the couple weeks we were in there. Like, when it all comes back together, we're going to be like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. we did it. We got through. Yeah, it's weird, man. It feels it's, – it's so – it's weird that this feels normal when this is so weird. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. That spring training feels like – Forever. Okay. Well, I told ago, you, man. though, Joe's didn't want to go. He, it wasn't that he didn't want to go. He was unsure <laughs> whether he was going to go or who he was going to go with. And I'm like, bro, like, they're crushing it down there. We got to go down there. And now look at it. If we didn't make the decision to come join you guys that week, we wouldn't. At least I got to see Garrett Cole pitch. Like, at least I got to see some live baseball and we have fun. So I'm glad we made that decision. I'm glad that we went to spring training early. I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, why are we going to spring training this early? Like your birthday passed Jimmy. And then you took off to spring training. And I'm like, it's like early February, like mid February, but <laughs> everything happens for a reason. And, and I'm glad we got that in. Yeah. It was fun. I was watching the RV videos the other day and it was sad times, but Hey, we're good. We'll be sweating in that office soon enough. I think, uh, I think we'll start wrapping it up. Jake, you good. You want, got anything else? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, yeah, I, I was trying to make some joke about meeting Keith, but I kind of came up with nothing. I don't know. I was. I gave him a bobblehead, so I, wanted, I was going to make a joke right about. I was going to try to make a joke about being like a scared white guy, but I, I, nothing came together. And you know what? Because I already knew, and and by the way, like I That's knew Keith joke. from Yankees. <laughs> yeah, that is the joke. Um, and I don't know, man. Like, uh, it it was it was great talking to you guys, man, and it uh. You know, it sucks for so many reasons that we're not on here doing a midseason crossover episode. And, uh, you know, should we trade Paxton as ERA's 4-2? Um, you know, it'd be great to be doing that. We're Jay not Hap doing was that. supposed to be winning Cy Young, man. Oh, Hap is so uh, whippy this he's year, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's so He's whippy. the most pissed off person right now. 88 the on the corner every season. time. <laughs> um, I love man. Whippy as hell. It was so whippy. And uh, I, I don't know, it, it sucks because <laughs> of the COVID stuff, but uh, I, I think everything we talked about is more important than that. And, uh, man, it, it sucks we have to talk about that too, but we do have to talk about it. And if you're, uh, if you're one of those people you don't know, you know, you don't have money, you don't have time to protest, you don't this, that, and the other, go talk to someone. Interact with someone on Yankees Twitter, man. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good people on Yankees Twitter. There's a lot of good crews. There's a lot of good, even if you want to get high school and get clicky, there's some clicks out there. Mix it up with people. Talk to people, man. And, uh, I'm I'm glad I got to talk to you guys. Yeah. A lot of good people on Yankees Twitter. Built the whole damn company off those people. So appreciate it. Thanks. All right. We're out of here. Joe's and I first met when we saw Andujar's first ever big league home run. So boom. Yeah. Universe. It's freezing. It's fucking you so know, cold. You know what? Uh, I, was, I just want to say this before we end. Um, I sleep well at night knowing that Masahiro Tanaka is not in the United States right now. <laughs> he went home. He went home pretty early in all this. He dipped out pretty yeah. early. Tanaka knew something. <laughs> well, would you rather be a regular dude, uh, you know, or an, a living legend in Japan? Rock star. Absolutely rock, rock star. star. They all carry right. him. He doesn't usually. I mean, he's got to do some leg workouts because I know. I, I bet that they carry Whoa. him everywhere that he goes. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. He goes he's just there. on shoulders nonstop. <laughs> all right, we're out of here. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for joining us. 
We'll see you next time. Go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting. Love it. <laughs>